Welcome to the KS34 radio podcast. We have a great show for you today. On this Science Thursday segment, we're discussing something that hits very close to home for me. Eutrophication and the overall water health on my home river, the Navasink in Monmouth County, New Jersey. It's a chilly spring morning in New Jersey. The air is trying its absolute hardest to warm up, but can't just yet. The March sun isn't strong enough to allow for short sleeves this early in the morning. This Saturday morning I was in the four. That's four rowers and one coxswain, the small person in charge of steering the shell. My teammates and I unstrapped the carbon fiber boat and lifted it gently off the racks. We walk out to the end of the dock, raise the boat over our heads, and roll it into the water. As the sun struggles to climb over the horizon, the thing I've been noticing has gotten worse. As we get going, you start to hear it. Thump, thump, thump. Like raindrops hitting a roof. Only it's not rain, it's hundreds of dead fish hitting the shell as it moves through the water. It's like we've become an icebreaker ship, splitting huge icebergs. Instead, splitting huge patches of dead Menhaden. The pristine white boat sawed through the clumps of decaying and darkened bunker. All the while, I'm praying the guy two seats in front of me doesn't have too much backsplash as he puts his blade into the water. He did. A lot. That's great for boat speed, but not so great when you're getting hit in the face with rotten fish juice. The smell wasn't too noticeable at first, back when the fish were just dying. Every once in a while, they would leap out of the water in a desperate attempt for oxygen. It was funny at the time, before we really understood what was going on. I didn't question the dead fish at the time. I just accepted it as a way of life on the Navasink and Shrewsbury rivers. It was, and still is, common consensus that the water is not clean. There's almost a complacency about it. There's thousands of dead fish washing up on the shore of the entire river. (laughs) Well, that's a Navasink for you. Well, I gotta fertilize my lawn again. Hasn't rained in a few days. The Navasink and the Shrewsbury Rivers border eight towns throughout Monmouth County, New Jersey. They combine for around 13 miles in length and are a crucial component to the estuaries in the area. These rivers open up into Sandy Hook Bay and then the Atlantic. They face problems that are made worse both through the carelessness of people and throughout much larger climate change. It's ironic that one of the main culprits is something that makes our communities greener and more beautiful. You can't have suburban sprawl without mentioning lawn upkeep. Every town has that one street with all the huge and impressive houses with equally impressive landscaping. The town right next to mine, Rumson, New Jersey, was no exception to this. In fact, Rumson has many such streets. Most of them also happen to be waterfront, These large properties require regular maintenance and a lot of fertilizer usage to ensure that the imported Bermuda grass stays that perfect shade of green throughout the summer. Then come the summer storms. The excess fertilizer is carried off through stormwater and into the river through the storm drain. According to the Asbury Park Press, around 27% of the surrounding area of Rumson and Fairhaven is developed and can't absorb rainwater. Anything over 12% is cause for concern, especially for towns bordering estuaries and rivers. It's not just the fertilizer, too. Anything and everything on the street gets washed into the waterways. Oil, gasoline, and a lot of the time, fecal matter gets washed into the rivers. Many of the neighboring towns are home to dairy farms, which obviously produce a lot of animal waste. The Monmouth Park Racetrack actually instituted a huge overhaul to their waste treatment process around 12 years ago. However, this is just a band-aid on a much larger problem. Clean Ocean Action estimated that 75 tons of manure are produced every day by 3,000 horses living around, 
the Pine and Hockenstock brooks, both of which feed into the Navasink. All this man-made and natural fertilizer does what it does best. It provides the first step in the nitrogen cycle. The ammonia spikes released through these fertilizers allow for extreme plant growth. Think about if you've ever owned a fish tank. When you don't clean it and let the waste build up in the water, the algae has a field day. Soon enough, all the glass is covered in a green film. I conducted a similar investigation in high school. Here's a direct quote from my former rowing coach who also taught AP environmental science for seven years. There's obviously some sort of nutrient that's getting into water. Typically, it's going to be runoff. So if there's a farm nearby or something like that, the nutrients like nitrogen and phosphorus are going to kind of trickle their way into the Navasink, which is going to cause a lot of other organisms, like algae, to grow. And when they flourish and populations expand, eventually they have to die. When they do die, the decomposers that are aerobic in the Navasink, or that are going to help break them down and eat them up, use a lot of the dissolved oxygen that's in the river. This leaves very little oxygen left for the fish. This process is called eutrophication. The small prey fish are most affected by this issue since they are the most sensitive to lack of oxygen. You can see how this plays out. Without the bottom of the food chain, the rest of it is in danger of falling apart. The shallow waters of the Navasink and Shrewsbury rivers are already low in oxygen. When this is paired with very sensitive fish already suffering from something else, which I'll get into later, you have a very bad situation on your hands. This is why uh, fish jumping out of the water for a few weeks. Their desperate attempt to find oxygen has led them to the surface of the water, spinning on their sides and dying in huge numbers. Eutrophication is partially responsible for the large fish kill in 2018. However, eutrophication points out larger problems that are all a symptom of climate change. The other main cause of the fish kill in 2018 was a bacterium known as Vibrio angularum. This bacteria already exists in the water and isn't something that, that humans have recently introduced to the environment. This bacteria causes organ hemorrhaging in fish, crustaceans, and bivalves. Specifically, it causes viral hemorrhagic septicemia. While not a threat to humans, VHS causes organ failure and rapid onset death in fish. To an already extensive species, this can be devastating. Usually, the fish populations have a strong enough immune system to fend off the bacteria. But when spring temperatures fluctuate from cold to hot to cold very quickly, the immune systems of the fish become suppressed. This leaves them vulnerable to outbreaks such as the ones in 2018 and the most recent 2021. On a more macro scale, dealing with climate change is the only real way to solve this issue. It's easy enough to say on paper and is usually able to shut down any real conversation. Minimizing the effects we have on our waterways will allow them to be more resistant to these types of events in the future. Minimizing fertilizer usage is one step individuals can take towards the health of waterways, especially if they live close to a river or in a drainage area. <laughs> Leaving a buffer zone of unfertilized grasses closer to the water's edge is another way they can avoid runoff. Specialized types of fertilizer utilize a slow release method to greatly reduce the runoff they cause. Basically, plant more native species and fertilize less. Owners of animals need to also take proper steps into ensuring that their practices and livelihoods do not impact the livelihoods of others. Monmouth County's heavy development is another very large contributing factor to its runoff problem. This is a difficult problem to face. So what are you going to do, rip up a parking lot and plant a forest? No. However, individuals can look into more absorbent species of plants. Red twig dogwood trees, inkberry shrubs, primrose flowers, are just a few of the many examples of species that love to take in the extra water. 
Reducing runoff by any non-zero percent is always a positive step. Stopping to consider how much your interaction with your land and livestock has on your immediate community and the world at large is essential and something I believe a greater majority of people are starting to do. There will always be the next Vibrio Angelarum outbreak, but if we live more responsibly, maybe it won't be as devastating. It's been almost two years now since the last major fish kill hit the rivers. This summer, when I would take out a single sculling boat in the mornings before work, I started noticing something. When I was finishing my row and entering the red bank section of the Navasink, these two parallel fins would crest out of the water. Every time, without fail, these fins would pop up in the same spot. It was almost as if they were waving good morning to me. I couldn't see what the animal was at the time. When I was on land, that's when I could see the full thing. It was a pair of cow-nosed rays gliding through the water like airplanes, poking the tips of their fins out to turn almost effortlessly. It's a great sign to see these species return to the watershed. Through combined efforts of government and citizens, the future of these rivers looks bright.